welcome to the Fresh Expressions Podcast Season 3. I'm your host, Heather Jalad. I'm a local church pastor and a cultivator of Fresh Expressions, new faith communities that strive to reach new people in unexpected places. In Season 3, we're opening our archive of a decade of useful training materials and sharing some of the talks and workshops that have inspired us over the years. This season is brought to you by FX Connect. FX Connect is an online community of church leaders who are reaching new people in new places and where you can find an entire library of practical and inspiring training materials. You can register for free today at fxconnectus.org. Today's episode features J.R. Briggs and Mia Chang talking about listening for mission. J.R. Briggs is the founder and leader of Kairos Partnerships, an organization that serves hungry leaders through coaching and consulting and much, much more. He serves in a variety of, um, has served in a variety of contexts in pastoral leadership, is also a faculty member at uh, Missio Seminary and a trainer and mission strategist that I am blessed to get to uh, share time with in the Fresh Expressions team. Mia Chang is a, a planter and lead pastor of Next Gen Church in the great state of New Jersey. I know that you will enjoy this conversation where they drill down on the significance of listening well, listening to God, listening to our communities, and listening to one another and the implications for starting and multiplying fresh expressions of church. I'll know that you'll appreciate the practices that they share to cultivate space for listening and the significance of prayer on the fresh expressions journey. Uh, prayer and listening are so integral and foundational to the journey of starting fresh expressions. So without further ado, I invite you to listen in to this talk from JR and Mia as they share about listening for mission. And if this talk is valuable to you, there are many, many more like it that you can find at fxconnectus.org. Fading a missional year, uh, learning to listen well on mission. And uh, I'll introduce myself and then I'll let uh, Mia, introduce yourself. Uh, my name is J.R. Briggs. I'm on staff part-time with uh, Fresh Expressions. Uh, I'm also a church planner in the Philadelphia area. Uh, we have a six-year-old church plant, and I also, um, there's an organization we started that helps to pastor pastors and, and uh, shepherd leaders, and, uh, and that's how I met uh, Mia and her congregation through a Fresh Expressions learning cohort. So I'll let Mia introduce herself a bit here, too. Church in, in uh, Princeton, New Jersey, and I uh, took part in the MSM cohort journey. Uh, so there's a chair over here. And after that, uh, learning ex from that learning experience, we were able to really uh, grow and, and really confirm some of the things that we were doing at the church uh, 
Now, this year, 2014, we are, uh, I am now part of the Fresh Expressions uh, as a learner, as, as well as uh, one who's sharing some of my experiences. So, glad to be here. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, nice and cozy. Yeah, so um, th this 45 minutes goes quick. You've probably already learned that. And uh, me and I presenting together, there's like way more material we'd love to present, and we want you to actually be a part of discussion too. We feel like it would be totally counterintuitive to talk at you about listening for 45 minutes, right? <laughs> so we want to make sure we're shaping this. We want to listen to you and hear from you as well. So we have some things planned, but we also want to let it go off the rails a little bit too to keep it, uh, right? I mean, Graham Cray said... Don't try to define or control fresh expressions, right? So we don't want to overly control this time either. Um, but let me start with this question. Uh, think about it for a moment, and then let's respond. Um, how would you define the word ministry? In its simplest, most basic form, how would you define ministry? And what would you say? Serving. Okay. What else? First semester of seminary, in the first class, on the first day of that first class of my first semester of seminary, in the first five minutes, the professor asked that question, what is ministry? And he said, I want you to get in groups of three or four, discuss it, and here's the embarrassing thing. Most of us in the room have been in ministry for several years already, and with 10 minutes, we just bumbled through all sorts of answers. It was much more difficult than we thought. Even though we had been engaged in it, we had a hard time defining it. And he said, what about you all? And he let us all respond. And he said, I submit this definition to you. He said, ministry is meeting people where they're at and journeying to where God wants them to be. And it was just one of those like, uh, yeah, that's it. That's it. <laughs> no more discussion. That's it. Right? And uh, that's been a really helpful thing for me. When ministry seems complex and sometimes confusing, um, and sometimes I get overwhelmed or insecure about it, Say, what if ministry really was about meeting people where they're at and journeying with them to where God wants them to be? I'm a visual person, and I'm, I'm one of simplicity. And so for me, I just, it's a very, very simple diagram. So here's me, here's people, here's God. So it's meeting people where they're at, journeying with them to where God wants them to be. And it was really important for me uh, to think through this of what this diagram isn't. <laughs> it isn't people meet me where I'm at and I journey with them to where God wants them to be. That's old forms of church, right? That's old Christendom. That's sort of a few generations ago, right? The assumed thing is you go to church, right? The, the seat of, of influence and culture, right? Um, that's not what we're asking. That's not what, that's not what we're saying ministry is. Nor is it meeting people where they're at and taking them to where I want them to be. That's manipulation, or that's control and leadership. It's not meeting people where they're at and journeying with them to where people want to be. That's Oprah with a little bit of Jesus sprinkled in. That's not ministry, right? 
But meeting people where they're at and journeying with them, keyword with, let me encourage you in the Gospels, every time you see Jesus and his disciples, circle the word with, it's everywhere. Journeying with them to where God wants them to be, right? Yes. Does that imply we both change? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Right? So the, the next definition, a mentor of mine, uh, Eugene Peterson, when, when I was with him, I, he's a brilliant person, and I had my pen ready, and I'm asking him, so how would you define ministry, Eugene? And I'm waiting for this brilliant answer, you know, deep, long words, multi-syllabic uh, words that I probably could, had to look up later in a theological dictionary. And he said, it's, it's uh, helping people pay attention to God and responding appropriately. And I thought, well, there's another great simple definition, right? Helping people pay attention to God and responding appropriately. And again, breaking that down a little bit more, Jonah was able to pay attention to what God wanted. <laughs> he just didn't respond appropriately, right? But it's hard for me to know how to respond appropriately if I don't first pay attention to God, right? So there's a, an importance there. So if that's the case, on those two definitions, meeting people where they're at, journeying where God wants them to be, I, I need to then discern where does God want these people to be, right? What does God desire, right? So what happens, what's needed, is this idea of listening, right? If this is ministry, this means that we as leaders have to cultivate an evident and compassionate posture and skill of listening. And that posture of listening is absolutely essential if we're to be churches on mission, regardless of what role we play in that church on mission. Right? So, you know, Graham Cray, in terms of the, you know, the circle diagram that we've been seeing a lot, right? What does it start with? What's that first circle on the left? It's listening, right? The problem is we start with the fourth or fifth circle of church takes shape, right? But if we don't start with listening, how in the world can these steps come to the point where we even know how to do that? So listening is counterintuitive. Listening is not very sexy in our culture, right? There's no money in a listening tour, right? There's money in a speaking tour. There's not money in a listening tour, right? But it's really important. Remember the story of Eli and Samuel? Samuel's a boy. Do you catch the irony of the story? The little boy can pay attention to God's voice and respond appropriately better than the religiously trained leader. Let that sink in. And I think that's a, a question that we need to wrestle with ourselves. Who might we be in that story? Who might we be in that story when it comes to listening? So it can't develop unless we develop a posture of listening. So... Uh, let, let's interact uh, around a couple more questions um, regarding listening, okay? To listen, finish the sentence. To listen well means to... To listen well means to... Slow down. Yeah, good. Good. Pay attention. Yeah. It means to love people. And a difficult time discerning the difference between... How about this one? Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. To be present. To be present. Absolutely. Yeah. Make it a little more personal. Okay? Finish this sentence. When someone truly listens to me, I feel... Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Valued. 
It's like a bodily hospitality, isn't it? Now, hospitality doesn't mean baking warm cookies and putting out little doilies on the coffee table. Hospitality is helping new people feel comfortable in new situations or new environments. That's the definition of hospitality. So when we listen, we're allowing people to feel comfortable in a new environment of that particular conversation. So, like I said, I'm, I'm from the Philadelphia area. If you've ever seen the Rocky movies, you know, yeah, you know, climbing the steps, that's the Philadelphia Art Museum. About half a mile north of the Art Museum, along a, wind, a windy road called Kelly Drive, along the Schuylkill River, there's a little plaza that has four statues in it. And these four statues have been there, I think, since the 50s or the 60s. Uh, they're about 12, uh, 12 feet high, four of in a semicircle in this plaza. And these four are built by four different artists. Um, and there was an international sculpture competition in the 50s or 60s. And they allowed anybody to participate around the world. Four different artists. And uh, they were to create uh, postures or dreams or desires that identified the spirit of the city of Philadelphia. Ironically, I actually think these four postures are the best spirit and posture of the future of the church. And, uh, and, and I don't have pictures here to show you all four of these, but they're incredibly important to me. So the first one over here is laborer, and uh, he's got a sickle in his hand, and uh, you know, real rugged, ruddy guy, and at the base it says, he wrought miracles. He wrought miracles. The second one is poet. Uh, it says he at the bottom, but it's very feminine features. It has a scroll and a scroll over, over his heart, uh, long flowing hair. Uh, and it says, poet, he shaped our dreams. And then there's a scientist that has a sextant and you know, kind of weighing as a sailor would kind of measure the stars. And he, he weighed the stars. And then the last one was preacher. He guided our ways. There's preaching robes. But here's what the preacher's doing. <coughs> beautiful. It's beautiful. And uh, a few years ago, my wife, I mean, she knew how I'd go down often. Sometimes we'd take a chair and just sit with my Bible, my journal, at the base of this 12-foot statue and just reflect and say, God, this is what I want in ministry. I want my heart and my life to do this, to be in this posture. And, uh, and I love, you know, he guided our ways. Like, how, when you ask people, if you had a preacher statue, <laughs> and at the bottom it said, he guided our ways, what do you think everyone would assume the posture would be? Right? Yeah, or maybe a finger wagon, like Clancy said, right? But this, that's a fresh expression posture. More than fresh expression, that's a ministry posture, isn't it? Should be, <laughs> right? And you and I are called to all four of those things, by the way. Laborer, we work hard for the gospel message to be clear and compelling and compassionate, right? The gospel is not against work. The gospel is against earning. We work hard, right? Jesus calls the laborers, Luke 10 too, right? The workers. We work hard at that. Paul talks about working very hard. There's scientists. We deal with facts and the good news of Jesus, right? There's an empty tomb, a virgin birth, forgiveness of sins, right? We deal with these facts. But there's this idea of being a poet, taking the facts but saying them in inspiring ways, right? 
to inspire and move and engage hearts. So if someone says, what is a kiss? You know, the truth is, the facts are, a kiss is two mandibles pressed up against each other as a way of showing affection. But if you've ever been kissed, that ain't a kiss, right? <laughs> the problem is, is sometimes we describe a kiss of the gospel as two mandibles pressed against each other as a form of affection. That ain't a kiss. Right? The kiss of the gospel. We say, man, it's like a dance. We're swept up. I mean, the warm fuzzies, right? So there's the poet side, and then there's the preacher side that we guide others as leaders first through our ears. And, and I'll show you a picture here in just a second of it just on my iPad. His eyes are open. His mouth is slightly open. But his whole body, you know, you look at it, you're drawn to his arms, which leads up to his ears. So it's not that eyes and mouth are bad. It's that ears are primary. And sometimes we get that order wrong, don't we? <laughs> uh, Mother Teresa, a reporter, uh, asked Mother Teresa, when you pray, what do you say? And she said, I don't say anything, I just listen. It just totally blew this reporter's top. I mean, she did not understand at all what she was saying. So let's pause there, and then Mia's going to jump in here and, and flesh this out a little bit more. Um, when you think about this posture of a preacher, the preacher statue, he guided our witness. He or she guided our witness. What, what's stirring in you? What, what does that make you think or learn or unlearn? <laughs> and maybe how we've approached our ears and how they engaged in mission. And you can't see it from this angle, but from the side, there's a there's a real like like leaning in, you know. It isn't just kind of there's an active and uh, and his, his hands are kind of halfway, you know. And and I almost picture it as if the, the sculptor that he was in motion and he caught him halfway through, like he's going, "Come on, come on," and it just stopped right there. You know what I mean, like. And that's that's always moved me, you know. It's almost like. It's, it's in motion, but stuck in time. But there is a care to that. There is a tenderness. I'll show you one more real quickly. Hold, it, hold this up. So the eyes are open. The mouth is slightly open. So Mia, yeah, let's, let's flush this out. It's great in theory, but, you know, tell some, some stories of Ways in which you, in your context, you're listening. Mm -hmm. um, you personally are listening. What does that look like? Yeah, so just to, to now uh, add to uh, JR, uh, his presentation. For me, listening uh, really doesn't come easily. I'm sure many of you can resonate with that. It's very difficult to listen. And after graduating from, uh, from seminary, I felt like I had a lot to say. <laughs> um, but uh, God placed me in a, in a situation where I had to wait 
uh, and nothing was really happening in terms of ministry, uh, doing anything important. And I felt very discouraged and depressed. Here I was, I spent many years uh, uh, studying and working towards this great achievement, and I received it, and then I wanted to do something, and I felt like I had really nothing to do. Uh, and during that time, uh, I really just felt compelled to, to come to my knees and, and pray. I spent many days, weeks, and months just simply praying and trying to listen. But I really, I wasn't hearing anything. I, I was being quiet, uh, crying out at times, but I really didn't know what God was saying. Uh, one day, now some of you may think this is out there, but I'm just going to share it. I could be a little vulnerable with you. Uh, one day, I was taking a nap, and I heard a voice. I heard a voice, an audible voice that was so uh, powerful that I woke up. It was so loud that I woke up from my dream, from my sleep. And the voice, and I actually looked around, did, did anybody say this? And no one was in the house. And uh, the voice was simply Zechariah chapter 4. But it was, it was in Korean. That was the strange part. Sugaria uh, Sajang, <laughs> that's uh, in Korean. So I went to Zechariah chapter 4. I read Zechariah before, but I don't really understand. I didn't fully comprehend. The, the, it really didn't hit me. Uh, I, read, I read it. Okay, I'm not getting it, but I just closed it. Uh, meditated on that, uh, shared it with my mom, and um, then time went on. Still in prayer. And one day I, I participated in a conference, and in that conference the keynote speaker preached on Zechariah chapter 4. And when he spoke, it just kind of confirmed everything that I was thinking, that I was feeling, and I felt like I was literally on fire. Uh, and the confirmation was that during that time, I was part of a, a small group Bible study. That was the initial group <coughs> that would embark, would, we would embark this journey of starting Next Gen Church. We didn't know we were going to be a church. We were just a Bible study group, just seeking God together. And at that point, I thought God wanted me to speak and, and, and carry my ministry within a bigger context. But uh, in Zechariah chapter 4, it says, uh, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, mm -hmm. says Lord Almighty. Uh, and a few verses down, it says, do not despise the days of small things. And I was really despising the small uh, because I was expecting something big. Uh, and God was urging and compelling me to continue on in this small group and nurture that and love that and cherish that because that's something he has given to me as a gift. Uh, and so that's how I began this journey of really listening and hearing. And it really happens when we are on our knees and really crying out and, and really seeking him. Uh, it happened uh, in our own heart, but at the same time, sometimes our heart can be fickle. We don't know if it's our own thoughts uh, or our own ambition, or is it really God's? And I think God, for me, confirms that through the word, through the scripture, as he did in this case. And thereafter, Zechariah chapter 4 was given, everywhere, everywhere I turned, literally, <laughs> there it was, Zechariah chapter 4. I, that it was just, it was actually funny. Uh, just, God, you have an amazing sense of humor because everywhere I turn, I would see it. I would get a phone call from a professor. Hey, Amy, I just want to encourage you with this verse, and there it is, Zechariah chapter 4. Uh, once I, I was watching someday, I 
fell asleep again. I was very tired during these days. <laughs> I woke up, opened my eyes to a, the TV screen, and I am not kidding. It had Zechariah chapter 4, not by might nor by power. I don't know what I was watching at the time. It was right there. Uh, everywhere I turned, it was there to just to reconfirm my doubts, my fears, insecurities, all of that, to say, go for it because it's not really me, it's not you, it's God <coughs> leading the way. And at the same time, God sent people who also confirmed and also shared that vision with me, that I wasn't the only one, God was also speaking to other people at the same time. And so God brought forth a team of, of people who, who wanted to begin this fresh expressions, I didn't know it at the time, that it was fresh expressions, but this fresh expressions of church in our community and God opened doors and opportunities for us to really make that happen for us with resource and, and mentors and just uh, opportunities for us to really take this risk of starting a community. Now uh, this session is called Cultivating Missional Ears. So how do we then cultivate our community? How do we cultivate our, our, uh, our church so that they also uh, can develop this ear to hear the voice of God. How do we do that? I think it has to start with us as leaders that we model it, we demonstrate, we live that for ourselves. And we get excited and we are passionate about God living in and through us. And we model that. And also, I, for uh, as a leader, I expect that in my own um, pastoral staff, as well as uh, the, the lay leaders of our church and, and, and my congregation. I expect that. So how have you heard God's voice? How have you seen? Did you have God moments this week? I expect that. And we share it. We celebrate it. And then we obey it. We follow that voice. If it is indeed the voice of God, if it is indeed a, a God moment, then we need to obey that and we follow through. And so we, we cultivating um, is an exciting and also just a, a, an amazing time to really see the, the movement of the Holy Spirit. Uh, for us, one uh, very critical component of listening is during uh, crisis times. I think God speaks loudest in my life and in our community, faith community, during moments of crisis. When things go, unexpected things happen, things go awry, when we are caught off guard and we feel helpless and out of control, in those moments, God seems to speak loudly. Uh, recently, we had a crisis in New Jersey. We had Hurricane Sandy struck us, and uh, many of our homes and, and our areas were damaged greatly, and many people's jobs, and, and just uh, everything kind of th fell apart. And during that time, in our community, Princeton wasn't hit uh, in the way that the Jersey, the shore uh, was hit, but there were many homes that the trees came <coughs> down, and, and there were damages and so on. And so we were in prayer, and we decided, well, God's calling us to respond. We're, we're praying, we're seeking God, but God's calling us to move and, and, and respond to this. We just felt as though compelled to, to go outside our church building, literally, and just walk around their neighborhood and talk to people and ask them, are you okay? Have you been affected by the storm? And just, just engage in conversations with them. So we walked out, and we just started to walk the streets, and uh, we knocked on the doors, hey, you know, we're from the church, and is everything okay? Can we pray for you? For and people were just responding. They were just being open and sharing. Uh, we entered the door of one home. It was a dilapidated, Princeton is a very affluent area, but this house uh, was like a, it just kind of stuck out because it was old, dilapidated. 
uh, is an older home, and uh, we knocked on the door, and it was already open. We heard a voice faintly, come in, it's open. So we walked in, and here was this elderly gentleman <coughs> in his 80s, and he had just had hip replacement surgery. He was homebound, uh, and he didn't have adequate heating. Actually, at the time, there was, we lacked heating, we lacked electricity, we lacked a lot of things, even water. But he, this uh, gentleman was able to have some kind of a portable unit where he was able to heat a hot water, boil some water so that his kitchen could, be, could, could get warmed. So he was in this small area sitting next to this uh, pot of uh, boiling water just, just trying to get warm. And when we walked in, he was just, he welcomed us. He really embraced us. And it gave us an opportunity to get to know him and to, to just connect with him. And he had all kinds of stories about growing up in this area, about how it was like in the, back in the days. And he just really embraced us. And so we started a, a relationship with him. And thereafter, we went to bring him some cookies. The kids made cards for him. And we visited him. And we just started to develop this relationship. And he was a man who uh, used to be part of a church many, many years ago. But he felt as though the church had abandoned him. Uh, as he got older and as he lacked the, the financial resource and so on. And he just became very bitter and, and isolated. And when we entered into his home, he really uh, embraced us as his own family. And, uh, and so one day, that went on for a few months, one day I received a phone call from a local hospital. And the, the chaplain of the hospital asked if... Uh, stated that one of my uh, church members was hospitalized. Now, I don't know, I didn't know anyone who was sick or who was, could have been in the hospital, and he asked if I knew of this gentleman and named and, and said his name. Um, I didn't, I, I, yeah, and he wanted to, the chaplain wanted to know if I could come and visit him at the hospital because he was calling for Next Gen Church. He said, he said, you are his pastor. Uh, I never knew that he, that's how he thought of me or the church because he never, he never entered into our church. He never participated in a worship service. He never came out to any of our functions, but he considered Next Gen his church. Uh, so when I went to visit him at the hospital, already he was, uh, he had a stroke and he was unable to speak at that point. He was able to speak just a few hours before, but when I arrived, he could not speak. The only movement that he could uh, make was on his face, just a little bit, just a bit of a twitch under his eye. And I, I held his hand, I gave him a hug, I, I read a, a passage from Psalms, prayed with him, and, and just, just uh, spent some time with him. And I could see him responding just by the, just this, uh, like this peace in his, in his one side of his face that he could express. Uh, and I just, you know, reassured him. And uh, I said, I'm going to be back, and I'm going to bring cards from the children because they're going to be all, you know, sad, and then they're going to, uh, they, they want to, you know, cheer you up. And so I went back home. I told to share the news with our church family, and they made cards and everything for him. Well, uh, I couldn't deliver those cards in person because he had passed away the next day. So it gave us, what I realized was that by listening and by responding to God's voice, gave us an opportunity, just a, a brief window uh, in time, to enter into his world, to enter into his life, and to share that love and hope of God. 
not because he's come to our church, not because he's participated in any of our functions, but simply because we shared Jesus uh, with him, and he allowed us to do that. And God gave us that gift to be part, to share that moment with him. And uh, I did deliver those cards at his funeral. But uh, that's something that, w that would always uh, just resonate in my heart, to, to be a church that listens, to cultivate that with your community, uh, because that allows us to see and encounter God abroad. Mia, can I jump yeah. in here? Did, did, you, did you notice, and we stay there, Mia, you're good. Mm -hmm. uh, did you notice the elements of listening of Mia and her community doing this, right? She's listening to God's prompting while she's taking a nap. Right? She's listening to the scripture, Zechariah 4, right? She's listening to other people who are, you know, other of God's kids, right, inside the church, right? She's listening to people in the community who aren't a part of the church, right? So there are lots of layers here. And, and I think the bigger picture, she's wanting to listen to culture, right? How can we be of help in the midst of crisis, Hurricane Sandy, right? So... Think about your own context, too, as you're hearing Mia's story. How can you listen to the scriptures? Are you listening to the promptings? You know, even the questions that they ask, like, what are you hearing from Jesus this week? You know, what are you going to do about that? Right? That's paying attention, responding appropriately, right? That's, those questions answer, are we paying attention? Did you hear Jesus this week? Did you respond appropriately? What are you going to do about that? Right? And so think about that. Culture, scripture, promptings from the Spirit, people inside your church. People outside your church and the culture and context in which God has sent you. So that might be just a kind of homework for you all or next step. Can you think of proactive ways that you're listening in, through those particular areas? Mia, talk a little bit about your staff and what you all do to cultivate that in the morning. Yeah, so I expect that um, as a community, I think we need to be on the same page, <laughs> I want to say. So uh, we're, we're encouraged. I don't want to say forced, okay? <laughs> We're encouraged to participate in a daily morning prayer. So we uh, are encouraged to pray for an hour each morning together uh, and to really listen, listen. Uh, and we do that. In the, so we provide a space where they come and, and they pray. And uh, once a week we come together corporately and we pray aloud together. So we do have prayer and, and, li and listening, not just telling God what, what you want, but listening, that is really incorporated into our leadership structure. Uh, and we have, and just as a community, as a, as a faith community, um, every year we have uh, 114 days, this is uh, 2014, so this year we have 114 days prayer challenge that every night at 10 we are called to pray together. Uh, and we have, uh, each day we're praying for this. It's pretty structured, <laughs> but uh, we have some things that we're praying for for the church, for our community, for the world, things like that. So we, we guide our people to pray. And each week we're coming together and sharing during our Sunday uh, celebration. We're sharing, okay, how did that work for you this week? And, and people share. Yeah. How about meals? Talk about how that's an important... Mm -hmm. And listening to one another. We're listening to God at the same time. We have to listen to one another. So uh, meal is a very... Sharing a meal together, I think, is essential uh, to form community, to form family. So every Sunday after worship, we get together to, to eat together. And I think that's, I think people consider that more important than the preaching sometimes. I, I don't know. I'm not sure. But uh, they, they really look forward to it. And it's really a, a multi-ethnic celebration. 
and it gives us the opportunity to not only share really great things. Uh, we have we have a, a very diverse community, uh, from you know Nigerian spicy rice to kimchi to you know to pasta using chopsticks. It, it, you know everything goes. So we have an amazing uh, selection of food, uh, but at the same time, it gives us the opportunity to sit around together and really talk and engage in one another's lives. Yeah. So, what community practices are you, you know? It's about listening to stories, not cloning them, right? So it doesn't mean you take back what Mia's doing in her context and do it in yours. But what are those community practices that act as training wheels to train and teach people how to listen better in your community? Right? You talk about prayer walks or walking around the, mm -hmm. the community, mm -hmm. meals, mm -hmm. praying together. I mean, should we be surprised if God's showing up at Next Gen in Princeton, New Jersey, when the staff from 9 to 10 a.m., Every weekday gathers together to pray. Should we be shocked by that? Every one of us, a part of a church or as a pastor, would say prayer is important, right? I know prayer is important to next gen, not because they tell me, but because I know the rhythms of their church. Right? Doesn't mean you do that, but what does it look like in terms of uh, rhythms or community practices that cultivate proactive listening spaces? So that's something to, to think about as well. Here are just a couple practical things. I know we're just running out of time, and, and Mia jump in too. Just, yeah, uh, just fire them away, mm -hmm. and uh, we'll, we'll kind of throw a couple uh, in here. But I want to encourage Acts 17. You know, when Paul's at Mars Hill, I mean, he, that is his listening missionary posture as it gets, right? It says he walked around, he saw their idols, he quotes their poets, their secular poets, right? It's like him walking around quoting the equivalent of like Eminem or Jay-Z. Uh -huh. Seriously. Right? So our inspired text, mm -hmm. you are quoting pagan philosophers in Acts 17 of inspired word of God text. Think about that. Okay? The Eminem of the day is in our inspired texts. Right? So Acts 17 would be a great thing with your community or your leadership or your elders to say, what does this teach us about missionary listening? Um, you know, again, listening with others, um, you know, take a look where you're spending your time, you know, look at your community practices. Um, this is not really weird, but um, rent an atheist. Uh, we've done this a couple times. Uh, buddies of mine, I'll just say, hey, look, I'm going to give you 50 bucks if you'll join us. And the only thing I ask you to do is observe our context on a Sunday morning gathering. And when we're done, I'm going to treat you to lunch. I'm going to pay you 50 bucks, and you just have to be honest with me about what you saw and heard. And I'm going to have a series of questions. The only thing I'm asking, you don't sugarcoat it. You just tell me really what you saw, what you heard, what you observed. What was great? What ticked you off? What was confusing? Mm -hmm. So, you know, think about that possibility of renting an atheist. Um, read magazines or blog posts for people outside the church. Be proactive about that. Um, ask, ask questions and refuse to be defensive when you hear the truth of their answers. Okay? The other one would be develop, and this is a whole other session we could have on developing the, the importance uh, and the skill of asking good questions. Um, that's huge in the listening process. Listening doesn't just mean not talking. It means drawing things out of people that others aren't drawing out. Mm 
which means good questions can do just that. Mm -hmm. right? um, again, take a look at where you're spending your time. It might be best to do your teaching prep or your you know, prep for a meeting, not in your study or your office, mm -hmm. but in Starbucks. <coughs> that is the Areopagus, that is the Agora, the Acts 17, where it says Paul walked around and all these people sat around and talked about the newest ideas all day. Well, what do we do in Starbucks? <laughs> it's amazing how it'll change your listening impulses uh, by just being there. Um, every six to eight weeks, consider taking a day away. Um, just blow the day off in the name of God. Just go listen. There's a place called Dalesford Abbey on the main line in the Philly area. It's a big Catholic parish retreat center. And they just say, come. So I, sometimes I leave my Bible and my journal and my pen in the car. I definitely leave my phone in the car. But it's just all day to say, God, I'm here. If you want to speak to me, great. And sometimes it's fireworks. I mean, it's just, woo! And other times, nothing. But there's a sense of saying, okay, God just wanted me to be with him today. And I'm going to be okay with that. It's not a wasted day. But I can blow the day off in the name of God and be okay with that. You know? And then listen to the next generation. And I love the fact that Mia name of her church is Next Gen, because it isn't just about the here and now, but what are we doing now to impact future generations for Christ? So yeah. how are you listening to the Next Gen? And so. I think developing that pattern of, of listening and let that be a consistent pattern in your life uh, is really significant. I, um, for me, uh, I, I know Bishop Graham Craig spoke about <coughs> developing that habit. I think it was uh, very formative for me when I was growing up in a Korean American church when I saw my pastor every morning uh, step into uh, the sanctuary and take his shoes off before, uh, take his shoes off and, and enter into the front space and he would kneel and he would pray. And I saw that growing up. And, uh, and, and I do that now. I take my shoes off and I enter into the sanctuary and, and I kneel. And I stay there for an hour, sometimes an hour and a half, really listening and, and, and communing with God. So that, that uh, and there are days when I don't feel like doing that, but uh, I know um, it has to be habit. So, uh, and sometimes I may not hear so clearly and so powerfully, uh, but I allow myself to, to, to sit and wait. Uh, and that time is really significant. Uh, so developing that habit and finding that place uh, and that time and, and really putting that into your schedule because that is part of who we are, uh, what we do, our call. So I think that's important. When I was younger, I used to think uh, one of the best compliments for a preacher was, wow, that was a great teaching. I'm learning as I'm growing in my experience as a pastor that one of the best compliments someone can say to me is, you really listened to me. You really gave me a gift. So what would it take for people to accuse you of this? What would have to happen in your life for people to say, he guides, she guides our ways, my ways, because of this, not this. What would have to happen in your life? So you know, as, as, uh, as we close here, something to think through you know, as you think about this, this preacher posture, who should we be listening to? How should we be listening to them? And then a very important question, too. Who should we not be listening to? Right? So, and sometimes there's, that's answering both who we should and should not listen to, right? We should listen to culture. 
But there's only so much we should listen to a culture. <laughs> Which means it takes a lot of what Graham Cray said, discernment. We're trying to discern, how do I know how much to listen versus, this is probably an unhealthy listening. Right? And that could be a whole other session, who not to listen to, how to discern the difference. Fresh Expressions is a worldwide movement of everyday missionaries who want to see churches thrive in the places we live, eat, work, and play by leveraging the creativity and endurance of the inherited church. To learn a simple five-phase process for starting a new expression of church, go to freshexpressions.com backslash how to start. Season three is brought to you by FX Connect, an online community full of other church leaders passionate about reaching new people in new places. Access our entire library of practical and inspiring training materials and connect with other church leaders at fxconnectus.org. Season three of the Fresh Expressions podcast is hosted by me, Heather Jalad. It's edited and produced by Jeanette Statz, Kathleen Blackie, and Chris Morton. Our national director is Dr. Christopher Backert. If you have learned something or been encouraged by this podcast, please help us spread the word. You can give us a review on Apple Music or Spotify and share this episode on social media. Now, may God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face shine on us so that his ways may be known on earth and salvation among all nations. <laughs>